It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to sparkle. Welcome, citizens of Sparkle Town. This is Klaus Heidi, your deputy mayor, speaking. Sparkle Town is a municipality that intersects and overlaps with the city of Berlin. It is ruled by the Contessa, and its citizens are anyone who is open-minded and inclusive, lovely, and fabulous. You heard the Contessa. Be fabulous and become a citizen of Sparkle Town. This is episode one, and we're speaking to the wonderful Christelle Airlines. I always feel like if you can tape away your penis and you can go through the herd of PA unique for an evening, you're basically more of a man than the others are. <laughs> I actually think it's Crystal Airlines, and I know that both of us have been saying Christelle. So, darling, we're going to need you back in the podcast chair to correct us, please. That, that darling was directed at, at Christelle or Crystal. I think it's Christelle. It's spelled Christelle. Uh, look on the Facebook page. It's the first. It says Christelle Airlines, and right underneath of it, it says Crystal. Okay. Well, I, the, the story, which was not uh, recorded, of how the name uh, came about was uh, she was performing it for the very first time in Paris, and uh, uh, Christelle's boy name is starts with Christ, and so the uh, announcer was, uh, and now Christ, and then went oh uh, L as in her. And so is Christelle. So, uh, but it, it might be Crystal. You're right. It does say uh, on, on the Facebook page. Anyway, uh, Crystal or Christelle had uh, a lot of very interesting and, and uh, well, deep sounds a little pretentious, but but had uh, interesting and, and thoughtful things to say. I would like to, um, right here, right now, I'm going to say a special thank you. She sat here with us for more than five hours, and I have a nice long list of people to talk to and some hints about interviewing and some more background of drag. Well, yeah, and uh, the thing is, Crystal knows a lot about the history of drag and, and the history of drag in Berlin and respects that, that legacy, um, which means that, uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of insight because... A lot of the, the queens that we know and that we've met and that we've spoken to so far are young and not uh, German. Generally, there are a couple of German ones, but uh, they're young. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can get some of these. Uh, we already know that we're going to get at least uh, one of the uh, the old school um, queens who've been around for a while here in Berlin. I'm so excited. Oh, so am I. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, for now, uh, here is uh, Christelle talking about uh, and, and I love that heritage it's mentioned in the thing but I think it's it's great Brazilian slash Danish yeah that's uh that's very special and she identifies Brazilian Latin yeah and but and looks it, Northern European it is very blonde yeah it's it's uh, an absolutely fascinating person a uh, great performer and um officially and I think I probably told everybody this but officially my drag crush <laughs> let her talk Hello, hello. Who do I have with me today? Hello, I'm Crystal Airlines. <laughs> I'm so excited. Crystal, talk to me about your path to drag in Berlin. Basically, I started drag in Paris. So um, I was hanging out with a bunch of drag queens that were doing celebrity impersonation. 
And then Britney got sick. And I used to be at every rehearsal, at every show, because I just loved the people. And then they put me in Britney drag. And I was supposed to do I'm a Slave for You, and oops, I did it again. And so I did. <laughs> and um, But it was like a one-time thing for me. It was like fun on being on stage, having like a background also on stage was kind of easy. But then I came to Berlin. I kind of needed an outlet because I wasn't feeling well. Um, I got sick and then I had like a lot of things happening at the same time. So I kind of wanted something to get my mind off things. And I didn't have money and you can get in for free in clubs in Berlin if you're in yes. drag. <laughs> so I just counted two and two together and became a woman. Now a little birdie told me that you could be considered to be someone's drag mother. However, you're a bit of a taskmaster, I hear. Well, I've been the drag mother of several uh, girls. Like I have one of my daughters, Minnie North, who is building a drag community in Norway now. Excellent. Which is so beautiful. And another one, uh, North Carolina, who is touring right now with like her mu uh, musical theater company, doing like uh, she played Lola and um, beautiful like roles like this, where it also like involved drag. My way of seeing drag is that drag is a political continuation of what happened in Stonewall or the entire like um, gay rights movement or trans rights movement, like basically LGBT. And um, we drag queens are supposed to uphold the standards of those people that came before us. So it's very cute and nice to have a glittery dress or um, having well-teased hair and everything. But if you're not political about it or if you do not know your history, you, you're not after my opinion, allowed to walk in those shoes. You have footprints to fill. You have um, an obligation as a queen. So like now for my two new daughters, being Jules and Amy, um, I'm making like film evenings where they have to come to my place and watch documentaries or movies about gay culture and about the movement. And so they understand the movement and they kind of get a glimpse of it. Because I feel like the younger you are, the more you grew up with the privilege that it's kind of okay of being gay. You still get the hardship, but it's not as difficult as it was for the former generations. And I feel it's really important that you try to grasp the hurt of a generation that came before and the fight so you can value them and you can celebrate them. It never occurred to me that the younger queens would have a privilege because of the queens that have come before. Well, we have, for instance, RuPaul's Drag Race that made drag mainstream and that also kind of shoeboxes drag into different categories, which I'm kind of okay with because the categories have been there before. Mm -hmm. um, the question now is just to get the general audience to understand that there are things beyond that. Mm -hmm. But um, we we have the luck that we had people like... Uh, Tammy Brown or Raven, etc., like paving a way for us so the mainstream can accept us, that even straight people come to our shows and do not see us as like circus animals, but are actually enjoying it for an art form. The people before that didn't have that. Like drag was always an underground movement and it was something very specific to the LGBT community. And the drag queens as such had to like work double as hard because the family wouldn't get it or they wouldn't be recognized by the community as being full-fleshed men, for instance. 
um, there's a lot of like sexual prejudice that also came with drag. Now it's less. Now when I go to a date, I don't have to neglect or like leave out the fact that I'm a drag queen. I can say I am a drag queen and they will ask me about it and they will be interested. Some are still douchebags and think that I'm less of a man. But um, I always feel like if you can tape away your penis <laughs> and you can go through the herd of being <laughs> like basically unique for an evening, um, you're basically more of a man than the others are. <laughs> Well, it, take, it takes balls to walk out in a teased up wig and um, looking like a full-fleshed woman or like a version of a woman um, or a caricature of um, the patriarchal idea of a woman and then actually like go out and entertain people. It is one of the reasons I love drag. I am familiar with what it takes to put on makeup and outfits and wigs and heels and go out. Aren't heels the worst? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's for me it's it's the basic sign of like the oppression of the patriarchy towards a woman i feel like we should all s just stop wearing heels there is absolutely no reason to subjugate your body to that kind of pain to the modification it does to your body it's it's just not fair towards anyone my drag career in germany basically was growing up with the leftist queer movement here in um, berlin like i my entire German drag family are part of the Tunten, so the radical fairies, more or less. It's like a very typical German and Berlin thing that came up in the 70s. So I grew up with um, the idea that my drag is political just because I exist. Um, there is like a saying in German that you can um, see a fairy, like you, a fairy changes the world not by moving, but because she is. And that's what I, I see myself like doing. I am, I am, I will walk in the streets in drag. I will walk to my performances. I'll take the public transports. Um, if I'm late, I'll take the taxi because <laughs> it's not nice to be late. <laughs> but um, otherwise, it's for me. It's important to claim uh, like public space. That's like the first thing, because we are another color in the crayon box. And we have the right to be there and we have the right to perform our art and uh, perform that bit of our personality that we are in drag. Um, that for one, then I feel like queens are also um, the chester of basically the human court room. Um, so we have, we basically get carte blanche to say whatever we want and portray whatever we want because um, we are basically a man in a wig or a woman in a wig and um, we are a clown and a caricature. So our opinions can be very harsh and very direct and very targeting at something just because people don't take us 100% serious. Mm -hmm. There is still like that ginormous layer of makeup and you can't really see the person that's behind it from there on having the freedom to basically say whatever i want to say and address political issues how i feel like i can address them and also um having the possibility just to claim space and rub people the wrong way because i exist makes it political for me then 
of course, I'm very invested in trans rights because I feel like every human being is equal and every human being should be treated equally and should get the same access to whatever. Um, yeah, for example, like in the trans right movement, I've been doing a lot with Vic Stöckel. Like last year, we organized a big uh, trans festival. It was really beautiful where we celebrated 20 years of existence of um, that festival, which was one of the most amazing and taxing experiences I ever had because I was confronted with my privileges as being a cis male. Our trans brothers and sisters have problems that I never thought about. Just going to the swimming pool is an issue. Mm -hmm. And it's not about their body image or whatever. It's just because people do not want them to be in their changing room. And for me alone, that was that was very eye-opening on one side. So I got I get to learn like every day, especially being a queen that is easy on the eye and also someone that looks very like appeasing. My my drag aesthetic is not going to like jump in your face and like punch you with some kind of like statement or whatever. Um, that gives me the liberty to actually be political and actually get hurt. Whereas other people that are more out there, they, they get shoeboxed immediately. They get, they get into a category and people sometimes take them serious, which I really hope they do, but sometimes they don't get the credit that they deserve. Mm -hmm. And because I'm very classic looking, I can get away with more and I will reach, like after my opinion, more people or at least like in my experience, I reach more people with the small things I say. But I'm very careful also um, what causes I engage in. I, I will not go into discussions that I don't understand. I will uh, not presume to have knowledge about something that I clearly don't have any clue about. Um, also that I didn't experience because I can just talk out of my experience and out of my hurts and my pain and the people around me but I cannot say, okay, generally speaking, this is this. So when when I have like my own shows and stuff like this, I like to have a moment that I call the serious moment, where I just spits and rants about the things that I find we should change, um, which is basically preaching to the choir because most of the people there have the same opinion, but it's nice sometimes to have the liberty just to scream it out put it in a room and get a feedback. I feel like we're not discussing enough about politics in a proper manner. We basically lost our ability to properly speak to each other and properly discuss about issues. Um, I feel like the ability to listen has also gone down over the years. And so having the possibility to actually be on stage with a microphone, putting out my arguments there, my beliefs and then having the public basically hackling me <laughs> about it um, helps me to also like grow in my opinion but also get my opinion out there. Mm -hmm. I never had like a home country. I never had like my home soil. Um, so I never got to claim anything for myself. So I, the only thing I had to hold on to was my family and my intellect. Mm -hmm. And try to with that weasel away into a country and make it home so every time i come into a new country like germany for instance i'm sitting here looking at things that i do not understand where is it you're from 
so my mother is Brazilian and uh, my father is Danish, but um, we never really lived in the, con the respective countries. So we used to commute between um, Denmark and Brazil all the time. So um, I spent nearly half of the year in Brazil and half of the year in Denmark. So I never got to like create, okay, this is my Danish bubble or this is my Brazilian bubble. And uh, yeah, then we ended up in Luxembourg because my mother didn't want to learn uh, Flemish because uh, Belgium was another option. And my parents were ignorant enough not to know that Luxembourg had their own language. <laughs> God bless them. Um, and yeah, so we ended up there. Um, but Luxembourg for me was because I'd, I knew that we didn't choose to be there. It was never a place I wanted to be. Then being a very conservative and a very small and protective uh, community as they are, because like Luxembourg has half a million inhabitants, half of them are Luxembourgish, the other half of them are foreigners. So the Luxembourgish people are very protective about their heritage. I kind of get that. So it's that's that's why I also in some very weird ways can understand the sentiment that um, the people in the Confederate States feel about their heritage. Because I've seen people handling it in a different way but having the same sentiment. Which basically means that Luxembourg at least when I was growing up, had two different societies. You were or with the foreigners or with them. I learned the language quite easily and quite fast because as a kid you do that. But I was never one of them. Then being the weird artsy kid that spoke too many languages for his own good, that um, loved to like dress up for um, carnival and stuff like this and like I, I, I just lived with that. Also, car, like carnival, a carnival, because we didn't have the money to go back to Brazil for a long time. So having carnival was a way for me to like invoke the Brazilian roots again and having like small stuff. So my mother created basically at home an island of Brazil in which we spoke Danish. <laughs> um, because my parents decided that like growing, uh, having my brother growing up bilingual at home would be too difficult for him. Um, I fervently do not agree with them. I didn't agree with them at that time. I still do not. <laughs> um, I feel like they robbed my brother of a part of his identity because language is the identity and gives you the possibility also to like circle in your, your little world because lingo is basically a thing that will shape you. And that's like... For for me, like having both languages helped me to like stay in touch with my Brazilian roots. My brother doesn't have those. He got like he got robbed from those. We had like the discussion last week where I was just like, I miss Brazil, and he was just like, I don't know Brazil. I listen to uh, like samba all the time. He he doesn't even get it. And so for me, like, I Luxembourg was not my home. It will never be. I feel terrible every time I go there. I like fall into some sort of weird depression state of apathy or something like this when I'm there. Even though it's a beautiful country, they have a beautiful art scene. I mean, the people are actually nice. But before 
I could see that in I had my formative years in which I felt terrible about it. So when I had the first chance I had to leave Luxembourg, I did. Like I went to Barcelona for a year and I stayed there. Like my father basically gave me a bet uh, based on that because we were um, on holidays there. We met some people I really liked and I was just like, I don't want to leave here. I'm going to learn Spanish and Catalan now and I'm becoming a Spaniard. And my father was like, well, you have 24 hours. If you can figure out a host family and a school that will take you, you can stay here for a year. Um, thinking I wouldn't manage to. Um, well, <laughs> I did. <laughs> and so I stayed a year there, like in Barcelona, and I felt more at home there because I understood the people more than I, un uh, I understand like northerners. I have a hard time with um, Central Europeans sometimes understanding that thought process, especially Scandinavians. Sometimes I'm so overwhelmed. Um, Germans are just a riddle sometimes to me. <laughs> um, it's very weird because I do look like a Northern European. You do. And I, can, I, cannot, like, I cannot talk myself out of that. <laughs> but I do not feel like one. And I've never felt like one. I, I grew up Brazilian and I grew up Latin and I don't get to be that because now in that climate that we have, what you look is what you is. That was very bad grammar, but it made my point. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, like I don't I do not get to claim any soil. I do not get to claim any nationality. I don't get to claim any heritage because I don't look the part for that heritage that I would like to claim for myself and I would like to live in and I would like to celebrate. But the one that I could claim, I do not understand. I'm too far away from it. So my only option is to create my own identity and my own culture and my own little bubble. It's, um, it's liberating in a way. I don't have to deal with nationalist shit. I don't have to be proud of a country that just because it gave me something or I don't have to wear a banner just because or a flag just because I'm from there. I can honestly say, well, I am European because I grew up in Europe. I understand Europe. I love Europe. I want it to be a federation. There's for me no discussion about it. But on the other hand, I miss the red soil of South America. Like, I want to go back to the South there. Like, my, my wish is after I finish my, my school here in Germany, I will get myself a horse from the Foss de Guassu, and I will ride up to Florianopolis visiting my family. Hopefully, I'll find some gauchos that will take me in because I will not survive on my own. <laughs> and just have, like, fun finding out what's actually the culture really is because I get the stylized version. I get the version that my mother taught me. I was in a samba school. I uh, I sing Maria Bethania things, and um, I watch the telenovelas, but it's still from a distance. I'm not submerged in it. What is your current, this is what needs to be told? Ooh. I love that response. So, well, I think we have to talk about uh, body positivity, body shaming, and uh, body image in general. I feel like, and also the way that the left and, in general, um, liberal people are talking to each other. Um, I'll start with that because it <laughs> gives me more of a rant than I build up energy. Um, I feel at the moment that we're not talking to each other clearly. We have a common enemy. 
we have the alt-rights rising up everywhere in Europe, well, in the entire West. And basically, um, the West has fucked up so much in the other parts of the world that they are prevalent there since years and years and years. We are not doing shit, absolutely shit, to do anything about it. I am ashamed sometimes to um, be in the privileged position that I am, surrounded by intelligent people that are more concerned about what they put out on their social media as a political um, statement than actually about them um, actually going out and doing something about it. I don't want to sign another petition. I don't want to go around asking people for another signature here and there online just so I can maybe get one representative to take me seriously. No, we have issues at hand. We have the AfD rising. We need to all band together in Germany now and get them fuckers out. It's not okay. If you cannot accept what happened 70 years ago, if you cannot accept that 7 million people that did absolutely nothing wrong was killed on your soil and you're still ranting about how the Jews or the foreigners are taking away your jobs, I'm just like, no. Maybe you should think about your life then for a second. If you're not getting that job, why are you not getting that job? We have been neglecting for years and years education, especially from the side of the left. We, we have been educating ourselves in our beautiful ivory towers. We have been going around telling people how they are supposed to speak, how they are supposed not to speak, instead of going to the root of the problem, educating people properly. And that was Christelle. Okay, how's your drool towel doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> Staring at your drag, drag crush for the last hour. Well, yeah, but to, uh, as a boy, and uh, you know, for all that I am uh, a big drag fan and a, and a big supporter, ally, etc., of um, the queer community, I am very straight. Not for lack of trying, but I am. I'm just. I'm oh, into women. Poor you. Yeah, it's sad. I'd love to be bi. That'd be great. Wouldn't it be? I mean, you kind of double the amount of uh, possible partners. Um, but, you know, it's not really a choice, is it? I don't think we got Christelle's contact information in the podcast. If mm. you want to book Christelle Airlines, look for her on Facebook. Look for her on Instagram. Uh, get in contact with uh, the producers at the shows that you see her at. Uh, she is indeed available to be booked. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if all else fails, contact us at Sparkletown Podcast on Facebook and uh, we'll put you in touch. Uh, Crystal, I still owe you a dinner, darling. Thank you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And thank you so much for sitting with us. I really, really appreciate that. Congratulations. Podcast number one. Sparkle. Sparkle. You are now departing Sparkletown. Be careful, the real world out there is uh, frightening, gloomy, and boring. Make sure you come back for episode two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so on in the future. We will be available on iTunes uh, and, uh, of course, on our site, thelindrome.com. That's T-H-E-L-I-N-D-R-O-M-E.com. See you there. <laughs>